0: Hey, hello guys. Welcome to episode 6 of the DKB Footy Show. And um, what a semi-finals it has been in the World Cup. We had um, two excellent games between France and Belgium, and the other between Croatia and England. Um, uh, The first one, France, came out with the win. And Belgium, um, unfortunately for them, the golden generation isn't going to get a chance to... Win something for their country, at least not in this tournament, so yeah, a little um let's talk a bit about the game. I think it was a very entertaining match, though it was just one goal that was scored. I think um that was not really down to a lack of chances but it was more because um of unlucky finishing of poor finishing, and um honestly, I think the game could have had five goals in it if both teams had um had their shooting boots on um uh, the first half i think belgium had the better of the opening stages at least like with the first 20 minutes um they um created a few chances they looked very threatening especially with um hazard on the left wing he um really did a lot of damage to um was it um pava Yeah, i think yeah so that um whoever played on the um right as a right back for France really found it difficult to cope with Eden Hazard. Hazard was on top of his game, especially in the opening uh, moments, in the opening twenty to thirty minutes. Um but after that, France started to um get back into the game, they started to create chances, the midfield started to impose itself with um Pogba, Kanté and Matsuidi that is one hell of a midfield trio which is very very hard for anybody to really dominate against. So they started to create chances. I remember the first really good chance was Pogba with the um little step over to get free from Dembélé and he played a beautiful through ball over about 20 yards to um Mbappé. But unfortunately um Mbappé couldn't um control the ball it was a little bit too hard and the keeper caught it. But that was just the first of a few opportunities. Um Mbappe, my God, he has been so good in this tournament. We all knew about his talents coming into the tournament. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen an eighteen year a nineteen year old that was this good at this age, that looks so mature. And I'm including Messi and Ronaldo in this conversation, even they were not as good as Mbappe was at the age of 19. He just plays like somebody who has been playing football for like 10 years at the highest level, and he's just 19. Can you believe that? He um was by far the most threatening player for France. Um, Belgium's defense just could not handle him. Vertonghen had a hard time dealing with him. Um, Hazard, who was um supposed to... Um, kind of be the person marking him as well as um, trying to create chances for himself. He also found it quite difficult. Mbappe had so many chances to just run free with the ball on that right wing. And he did that again and again and again. Um, eventually, um, Francis goal came through a set piece um, from Umtiti. It was a nice towering header that he got over um, Maran Fellaini, which was quite impressive. And from there, the game just changed. I think um Belgium really had no answers for um to france's game. France just um really decided to sit back, bide their time and um get good counter attacking opportunities so it was the more of the attacking impetus was on Belgium to come out and create chances to um to have most of, most of the ball possession control the tempo of the game and Belgium was just not comfortable doing that France um, they basically played right into France's hands um, especially with the fact that they conceded the first goal it made it that much harder for them to play their own game which ironically is playing on the counter that is um, the kind of game that Roberto Martinez is more suited to playing he likes to um, counter-attack, especially he likes to get the first goal and um, create counter-attacking opportunities and score. But because of the fact that they conceded first in this match, um, they couldn't really use that option. And it was France who were getting a lot of the opportunities. Um, France honestly could have scored two or three more goals than they did if it was not for the poor finishing of Olivier Giroud. I mean, don't get me wrong, Giroud is a good, decent striker. He um contributes a lot more than just scoring to a team, which is why I think Didier Deschamps always um starts him as the number nine for France. But that being said, it's just it just showed us how obvious it is that he is not one of the world class strikers. Um he had so many opportunities to finish. Imagine that um incredible pass that Mbappe gave him the, the silky flick, where it just needed a good placement and Giroud just failed to do that. He was um, honestly that was one of the poorer games I've seen from him. He did contribute in other aspects. He worked hard for the team. He um, was a physical presence throughout the whole game, but still, come on, you're number nine. You're number one job is to score and um finish off chances and he just did not do that but luckily for france um those missed opportunities never came back came back to bite them because belgium just continu- um just did not really create any mini- meaningful chances um i can only think of the save um Juris had to make from the autoviral shot um shots where he um where he was facing um where his back was facing the post and he turned around and gave a snapshot from uh, um after the set piece. That was the only notable save I remember um Yoris having to make throughout the match. Besides from that, it was pretty comfortable for him. The defense was so excellent. Varan was so good. He handled Lukaku excellently. Lukaku did not have any space to um get any service. All of the um crosses that were put into the box were stuffed out. Feleni maybe had like one or two um decent headers, but apart from that, I think Varana and Utiti and Varana especially handled um all of those crosses coming to the box very, very well. Um yeah, Belgium I would say kind of um bottled it to be honest because this is the golden generation. They, this is by far the best squad that they have ever produced in the history. And with Brazil out, Germany out, Spain out, Argentina out, and the only real competitors were a very talented French side, but very, very young French side, very inexperienced side. Um, I think it was really... This whole World Cup was up for the taking for Belgium and they just could not step up to the plate and win this match. Yes, they took out Brazil, which um was a very good tactical masterclass from Roberto Martinez. But in this match, I'd say the coach really had his tactics wrong. um Playing Dembele as... Sometimes as a wing back, or sometimes with Hazard as a wing back, really limited them. It did. He did not get a chance to really exploit um Dembele's best attributes, and he also had a stinker of a match. He was quite poor. Um, yeah. So this Belgium team, I don't know if they're ever gonna get a better chance to um win something significant for their country again. Um, maybe in the Euros in the next two years, but I don't know. I highly doubt they'll be as um, good as this in the next World Cup because considering the ages of all of their top players, um, the likes of De Bruyne and Hazard um, are in their mid to late 20s. A little Hazard is 27, De Bruyne is about 25 or 26. So in the next World Cup, they will all probably be like in the early 30s and um, I don't think they will be at this level anymore. So. Yeah, missed opportunity. But all credit goes to France. They played well um, as a team. They snuffed out all of the chances. The midfield was dominant. Kante, as usual, was just excellent. Breaking up plays, tracking back, um, making excellent um passes as well. He just did it all. Pogba, also, I think that was the best match that he'd had in this whole World Cup. He created a lot of excellent... um. Chances, he was very disciplined as well, which is something that we've rarely seen from him, especially in the past season with Man United, which has been one of his biggest criticisms. But in this World Cup, he really stuck... In this match, especially, he really stuck to his role. He um, did what he had to do. Nothing so special, nothing extravagant. Just simple midfield... Um, a midfield playmaker's role... He was physical as usual. He made a lot of good forward passes, made a lot of good tackles. And um, yeah, well done France, so they're onto the final. And they will be very, very big favorites now to um, win the whole thing. This is um, going to be France's third um, final since winning the World Cup back in nineteen ninety eight, And um, I think this is more than any other international team has managed to do um within these past 20 years. So let's see. Um, their record with finals though has not been the best. They um lost their last two finals, which is the Euro fi- um Euro twenty sixteen final against Portugal, and um the two thousand and six World Cup final with the infamous um Zidane headbutt. But yeah, let's see if um France can do it. On to the other semi final between Croatia and England. This was a very entertaining match as well. Um. Not so much in the beginning. The beginning stages was a, was quite a cagey affair. Um, England were definitely by far the better team. I would say in the majority of the first half, um, they got the goal, which was um quite early, and after that goal, they um Croatia never really threatened that much in the first half. Um, England created more chances. Could have possibly gotten a second goal if they had um had better shooting. I remember a chance where Lingard had at the edge of the box where he shot off targets. And I think they had a few other chances. Um, But all in all, I think it was a pretty dull first half. Um, The game came more alive in the second half. In the first half, um, both teams didn't really create that many chances. But England definitely looked comfortable. And I would have thought that England was going to go on and maybe even win it. But the second half came and Croatia just went to another level. The game just improved. Luka Modric just um, came up and he was like, OK, I'm the best player on this pitch amongst the two teams. It's time for me to step up. And boy, oh boy, did he step up. He was just all over the pitch. I mean, this guy, there's a reason why he is the best midfielder in the world. There's a reason why he has been at the heart of Real Madrid's midfield for um, the better part of, the, of a decade now. And he just showed everything in this match. He had good dribbling. He made excellent tackles, made good passes. He just dictated the game. Everything Croatia did went through him. And um, they eventually got their equalizer in about the 64th minute, I think, through Ivan Perisic. Was a very good finish. Um, Some complained that it might have been a high foot. But I don't think it was. Um, I think he had a right to go for the ball. It was rather the defender. Um, I think it was Kauwaka, Kauwaka, who um, had this had his head close to Perisic's boot. Boot. I think he was the one who brought his head too low. So I had no issues with that goal. I think it was a very um, good goal. And it was nothing more than Croatia deserved. They had created so many chances. Perisic as well had been very threatening on that um, on the wing. And yes, he got a well-deserved goal. After that, England still did not wake up. Croatia still had all of the best chances. They kept on bombarding that England defense with crosses, with excellent um, opportunities. They could have even won it within the 90 minutes. Um, unfortunately for them, they didn't, though. And um, the game went to extra time. And in extra time, they continued to be the better team they continued creating opportunities england just had really no answers for anything that um croatia was doing and eventually manzukic um got the winning goal which um was from it came it came out from an unlikely opportunity where i think the um, english defenders i think it was john stones he was just not alert at all Mazukich was by far the most alert in that box, and that's why he was able to quickly anticipate the backwards headed that Perisic um backwards headed pass that Perisic made, and he was just alert to it, and he finished it well, and, um, Croatia deserved to win. They, as as I said in the last episode, I wanted them to win this because I think they had had a very good tournament. Nobody expected them to be as good as this. And also considering the ages of all of their key players, I think this golden generation, um, this was their last chance to win something significant. And they have gotten to the final. So I'm very happy for them. Very happy for Luka Modric. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I think he has been the heartbeat of this team. I think he deserves to even win the golden ball for this World Cup. Because since the group stage up until this point he has just done everything. He has just been so good. And um England, yeah, I think um I think to be honest, they just um met up with their match and they could not handle it. Their quality just showed that they're probably not as good as um everybody had been thinking because they this was the real um first high quality opponent that they had faced. Um, I know they beat Colombia. Colombia is a good team, but Colombia was without James Rodriguez and and um we talk about how important Messi is to Argentina, how important Ronaldo is to Portugal. I think that is um James is equally as important to Colombia as um any other player is. Without him and the team they are just not the same team and I think that was why England managed to beat them. And despite all of that, they still had to win on penalties. And um, against Sweden, they were very comfortable. But um, again, Sweden is not a top team. They don't have any world-class players. So this was the first team with world-class talent that England came against. And um, they just had nothing. They got the goal through Trippier, the free kick. It was a very good free kick. Very expertly taken. But, um, yeah, they just had nothing after that goal they created some half chances but in the second half they were so poor they just did not do anything they couldn't do anything right they couldn't string any passes together they kept on losing the ball in the midfield and kept on giving up opportunities and yeah they were deservedly beaten in my opinion uh, they have another chance to redeem themselves in the third place um, playoff but um that's gonna be against Belgium, who they lost to earlier in the group stage. Um albeit that match in the group stage which they played was um was um with without their key players. Both teams fielded out um their benched players really. But Belgium still came away with the win and I expect the same in this match. Um I think Belgium would be very disappointed that they um, lost against France and they'll be highly motivated to at least get a third place uh, medal in this tournament. So I expect um Belgium to be the better team against England and I expect them to beat them, possibly even by two or three goals. Who knows? It's definitely possible because this England team just did not impress me at all. Against Croatia, they... um. They were um quite lucky, in my opinion, to even get to, get as far as they did. But kudos to them. They did well to get to the semifinals. But I think that's as good as they can do. I think they're just going to come come away with fourth place in the in this World Cup. And, well, I mean, it's not the worst results. I think um they can still go away with their heads held high. But, yeah, I'm going to go with a Belgium um, win in the third place playoff. Now to the final France versus Croatia um I think both of them have really deserved to get to this final Croatia especially as I said earlier they um they have had it tough throughout this whole competition they have had to play 120 minutes of football for every single match um every single knockout match so in essence in terms of minutes they have actually played a full 90 minutes more than France um have played which is a whole full match extra. So I don't know if that's going to play a role. I have a feeling it will. I think um, France are definitely going to be the fresher of the two teams. And they also have a stronger um, reserve, a stronger bench than the um, Croatian team does. So France are definitely coming to this uh, match as favorites. But I am not going to rule out Croatia at all. I think this team has something going for them. They are really a good team. Cohesive, cohesive unit the the new coach who they appointed mind you the new coach got appointed in the um latter stages of the world cup qualifications they actually did not even win their world cup qualification group they came second to iceland and um things did not look so good for them and i believe they hired the coach who is the current manager they hired him just before the um playoff match against greece and they uh, ended up winning that match and they have just gone on to bigger and better things they have just been looking better and better at every single stage throughout this whole competition so i think the coach deserves a lot of credits considering the short amount of time that he was given to make this team play well as a unit he has done such a good job and um yes, he has obviously been helped by the world class talent of the likes of Luka Modric as well as Ivan Rakitic and um Perisic, the keeper Subasic, he's been so good as well, and um the striker Mandzukic. I think this is a team that can definitely give France a lot of headaches, a lot of trouble. Um and um I think they can actually win it. Um, I don't know if they will. I still think France are overwhelming favourites for this match, um, considering the fact that France has such world-class talents in every single position. But one thing that I think Croatia has over France would be experience. They have players who have played in um, Champions League finals, who have won Champions League's... Um, and who are in the prime of their careers. So um, I think Croatia can win it, but that being said, um, I'm going to go with a France win. I, I just love the talent of this team. This is um, such a, maybe not the best, the most entertaining team to watch, but in terms of the individual talent that they have from top to bottom, they are just stacked with talent. Um, so I am going to go with a France win, um, but it's going to be a really good final. It can honestly go either way. If Croatia wins it, I will not be surprised at all. Um, so definitely don't rule them out, but I'm going to predict uh, a France win. Um, I also wanted to um, talk a little bit about um, the transfer markets, which has been ongoing and which has started to really heat up over the past week. I haven't really talked about the transfer market at all um in this podcast. Um that's something I plan on doing um once the World Cup is over. But for now I'm just gonna um go over a few um key transfers that have taken place and I think there's no better place to start than with um Cristiano Ronaldo joining Juventus for a fee of a hundred million euros. Um. Who saw this coming? I definitely did not see this coming. I thought um Ronaldo was going to at least stay with Real Madrid until, until maybe he was just um his powers had uh, started to wane and maybe until Real Madrid would kind of try to find a way to force him out. I definitely did not see him leaving in this transfer window, especially after the excellent season that he had once again, leading them to another a third consecutive um champions league um trophy after the champions league final that he did um hint at leaving he gave an interview where he'd said um it was nice playing for real madrid but still this is not the first time that he had made such a statement he made the exact same statement in fact last year after they won the um champions league final against juventus he said this he um said that he was unhappy and it was not about money, da-da-da. He ended up staying. And everybody had thought that it was going to be the same situation this time around. But no, he actually ended up moving. And um, moving to Juventus. I don't know who um has gotten the better out of the deal. Whether it's Real Madrid for the fact that they signed him for £80 million pounds all those years ago. And he has broken every single record, every statistic. He has delivered them four Champions Leagues, which is the holy grail of Real Madrid. And they still managed to make a profit on top of him. I think that's amazing that they were able to get so much out of him and still make a profit, considering the fact that he's 33 years old. But that being said, um, I still think that um even though it's obvious that um Ronaldo is not the same player he used to be he doesn't have the same legs he's not as fast he's not as skillful he has really um turned his game into more of um a goal poucher a number nine and um that being said he's still a very excellent goal scorer still the best goal scorer in in Europe maybe um apart from messi but he still has the same influence that he has always had on his teams. He still is the man. He still wants to be the main man of the show. And um, let's see. Let's see the kind of player Juventus is getting. Um, I'm very interested in seeing how he plays in Syria. I think he will do well there. Um, I think definitely Juventus is going to win the league again for the seventh consecutive time. Or is it the eighth consecutive time? But really, we honor that they have signed him for the Champions League to deliver that trophy to them, which they so desperately need. They have gotten to I think um, two finals in the last three or four seasons um, last season, they got knocked out by Real Madrid with uh, Ronaldo's brilliance, especially in that um, match in Turin, where he scored the overhead kick and got the standing ovation from the crowd um so yeah they have been so desperate to um win this this um tournament and that is why they have gone against their usual transfer policy of not really spending too much getting high profile players but for cheaper prices this time they have gone all out they have splashed 100 million on ronaldo let's see if it pays off um i still think they need to sign other players though possibly in um they might be losing alexandros they need to, they need to get a left back i've seen links um, that they might actually get Marcelo. Let's see if Ronaldo can convince him to um come along. But yeah, that's gonna be huge, and that's gonna be that's definitely getting me excited to watch um Serie A next season. Um, another transfer. Um, Conte has just been sacked from Chelsea. He um everybody saw this coming. He had a really torrid time in the last season. Did not really get along. He has never really gotten along with um the whole club management since um coming on especially in the transfer policy he has not gotten the transfers that he has um wanted to get um and he has definitely made his um unhappiness known to the public constantly complaining about the players that he has been able to sign and um everybody all the um the media definitely predicted that he was going to leave the club at the end of the season I actually thought that there was a chance that he could stay because of the whole drama um revolving around um Abramovich and his visa situation. I thought that because of the issues that the club had and the new stadium that they were building, I thought maybe they were just going to say okay, we'll keep him for another season because of all the turmoil that is going on. But yeah, they've sacked him and they are going to um appoint um Sari in the next coming days, we can actually hear the about the transfer being confirmed any moment from now, so let's see how Sari does for them. He's definitely not um, the. Kind of manager that Chelsea has been hiring um since they got Mourinho and since this whole period of success um started coming to them since two thousand and four, most of their um, coaches their managers have been more tactically minded, more defensive minded. And if anybody has watched um, Napoli play over the years, we know that that is definitely not Sari's game. Sari is more of the Guardiola type or a Klopp type, which is um, a high pressing game, keeping ball possession, high tempo, playing um, fast passes, breaking down the defense through swift counterattacks or by just um, playing excellent passes, link up play and breaking up defenses. So let's see. It's gonna be interesting to see how Chelsea performs under Sari next season. They have also um confirmed the signing of Jorginho, which was a long um rumored um transfer interest of Manchester City. Um the the Napoli um president has said that the Jorginho transfer has nothing to do with um Sari going to Chelsea they actually say that it's because Chelsea probably offered him more in wages and, ha- and offered a higher transfer fee. So he was happy to move to Chelsea. Let's see how he's going to be. He's definitely going there to replace Bakayoko, who was just a flop last season. I think Jorginho is going to um, go straight into the starting eleven. So let's see how he, uh, the kind of partnership that he forms with N'Golo Kante next season um onto liverpool they have ju- um they are about to sign um and shakiri it seems for a very low price of 13 million pounds i guess um in shakiri's um contract with um stoke city when he signed for them there was an agreement that if stoke got relegated he would be allowed to leave on a um cheap transfer fee so they are about to get him he's definitely not going to be a starter but if there was one weakness that Liverpool had last season it was that they did not have a good um any good backup players to their excellent starting 11 especially for that front three. So Shakira is there coming to add depth to the team and I think it's a good signing for for Liverpool. Let's see how that goes. Um one more transfer Riyad Mahrez has also signed for Manchester City for a club record fee of um 60 million pounds. Um in my opinion, I think this is a good signing for Manchester City. I think just like as um just like Shaqiri signing for Liverpool, I think he is actually coming on to add depth to the team as well, because I'm not really sure if he's going to be a starter. I mean, he I don't I don't think he's he's definitely not going to bench Leroy Sané, so his best bet would be to bench um to bench Raheem Sterling. Let's see how that goes for him. I think it's going to be tough. To do that, Sterling had an excellent season last year. He um, had the second-highest goals, I think, for the team. He scored, I think, 23 goals. Um, even though Sterling hasn't had a good World Cup, I know Pep Guardiola really likes him. And it's going to be really hard for Riyad Mahrez to break into the starting 11. But that being said, Mahrez has the advantage of... Um, Playing a full preseason, he is not playing in the World Cup. So he's gonna have a full preseason to try and convince Pep that he should get into the starting eleven. And um Sterling is not going to have a long preseason because he's had a long World Cup. So let's see how that goes. Um the transfer window is definitely going to heat up once the World Cup comes to an end. Um, especially in England because of the fact that they um voted to um, close the shut down the transfer window. Um, once the season begins, so we're gonna expect a lot of excellent um signings, a lot of high profile signings um coming up over the next um month. And um, yeah, I'm gonna be talking a lot about those once the World Cup is over. And um, yeah, thank you for listening to new another episode of the DKB Footy Show. Um, as usual, leave a review, leave a comment, um, let me know how I'm doing. And I look forward to speaking with you guys next time. All right, cheers, guys. Enjoy the World Cup final. Bye-bye.